Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Day successfully fighting off a uh, cold which, of course, has to hit me right as the weather here warms up. Alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. All right, coming up on today's show, by the way, congratulations to Aaron uh, on his Chiefs uh, and uh, winning Super Bowl 58. So I, the really? best... Is this a foregone conclusion? Foregone, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, a good buddy of mine sent me a text last night, and it's the best analysis this, I've heard this entire NFL season. He said, I'm hammering the Chiefs. Don't care what the line is. He said... Spirit of the age, deep state, always get what it wants. I mean, look what happened. You know, Ravens, Ravens win a playoff game. They go out there talking about Jesus. Next game, lose to the Pfizer sales rep with the spirit of the age uh, pop culture queen in the stands in their, own, in their own stadium. The idea that some kid from Iowa State who was the last pick in the draft and who's an outspoken Christian playing in San Francisco of all places and they have a white running back named Christian, no shot. Like, we're going to start off an event with some fake song called the Black National Anthem. Taylor Swift's going to travel 19 hours from Tokyo to see her boyfriend play. The event's going to be sponsored by Pfizer. He's like, dude, spirit of the age always gets what it wants. On the money. I completely agree. Yeah, that's the, the best analysis broken, I've heard yet. The Chiefs have broken a lot of people. I think that's the best analysis I've heard yet. <laughs> the Chiefs have broken a lot of people. So I mean, I'm already. I was already in on the Chiefs uh, at uh, eight to one in the midseason to win the Super Bowl. I'm I'm tripling down. I mean, I'm going all in on that bet. Todd, your thought on that analysis? Still working out that Lions game, aren't you? No, I thought that was excellent. I first of all, I never thought we were going to win, um, but that was. Excellent. That was an excellent handicap. Did Brock Purdy not just win the last two playoff games? Wasn't playing against the uh, Spirit of the Ages favorite team uh, with uh, the Pfizer sales rep. Yeah, the Chiefs are the Spirit of the Ages favorite team. Well, Travis is their favorite player. That, mm. That's pretty clear. I yeah. mean, he's the Pfizer sales let, rep. Can't just let me uh, um, just, you know, enjoy this. You're right. You've had nothing to enjoy. Yeah. For the last well, I remember years. last year, the Monday after the Super Bowl, uh, you said, congratulations. What the heck was Travis? You wouldn't even let me enjoy it. You, you just pivoted straight to criticisms of Travis Kelsey's act. I'm not even criticizing it. I thought <laughs> he was tremendous yesterday. I thought no, he was great. I, you know, you were last year. Oh, was I last year? Yeah, I okay. remember. Right. I'm not, but I'm not even. I'm not, I hold I'm on not to being, these things. I'm not being critical right now. I'm just saying that's the best handicap of this I've heard yet. Yeah, spirit of the age always gets what it wants, and you're, I mean that, that's just going to be in your montage here in a moment, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, coming up next hour, I'm not going to do this very often in this campaign. I already told you that I'm not. But I was asked to do this over the weekend. Um, Mark Levin sent several of us an outstanding piece. I think I sent it to you guys. Uh, and it's in my Twitter feed. It's, it's it, um, Is it Talibi? Is that how his last name is pronounced? The, the guy that Elon Musk yeah. kept using to the release the Twitter files? Okay. He's kind of a Glenn Greenwald, class, Brett Weinstein, classic liberal kind of reporter. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Kind of your RFK Jr. kind of guy. And uh, he wrote... I mean, we could, this thing is so in-depth, you guys should absolutely read it if you have not, but um, 
this thing is so in-depth. It's the kind of piece that a year ago we would have done like an entire evergreen on just this piece. But it, it lays out all of the efforts way beyond Jack Smith and this, you know, below the surface, way beyond what we see in the headlines here with Jack Smith. But but all of the lawfare, I guess we'll call them fail safes mm-hmm. that uh, the Democrats have put in for this election. And, and it's not just even geared at Donald Trump. I mean, about RFK Jr. and everything else. All right. But it, it lays them all out in painstaking detail. This thing goes on and on and on. Yeah. It's, it's very well researched, very well linked. Okay. And, uh, and so when you get up on a Saturday morning and Mark Levin sends you a link and says, read this, you're going to do it. All right. And so I did. And he sent it to several of us. And that started a conversation with some of the people internally here at The Blaze. And one of them, one of them asked me, hey, what would you do about this? And I, I said to them, I mean, in, in a limited window, an election provides. I, I don't know. I mean, they spent years. Some, I mean, some of this stuff, Talibi's story is, is correct. I mean, this, this stuff's been in place since 2016. I mean, they, they, they started putting some of this stuff in place in 2016. They absolutely cemented it for 2020. I mean, this, this stuff is years in the making, and they're in control of all these institutions. And if you look at the, the you know, as we learned in the 2020 election, all of the local election machinery in these battleground states, they completely control. So you have to win outside the margin of cheating, basically. Um, and so I, I said, I, I don't know on an institutional level what you can do about this in the short window an election provides. I, I don't think there's some level of exposure that these these people will like be shamed and go away on their own. I mean, you'd, I, I told this person, I think you're going to have to win this election and then use the power that you're allowed to wield to root them out. Right. Well, that that got into a broader calculate that got into a broader conversation about. Well, how do we win this election? Now, I oh, I'm no expert here, man. But I, I, I think that's been proven. All right. I mean, I, I would go watch and listen to the Jack Posobics and the Steve Bannons. They're on the, they're on the, they're on the side of light. All right. I just got my ass kicked by all of them. They don't need my vote. They tell me that all the time. Uh, they don't want. They don't even want it. They tell me that too. So, uh, you know, I. I no reason to listen to me. I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Okay. But since I was asked and I laid this out for somebody, what I would do, it got me thinking, man, I spent a lot of time writing this out to somebody. We should, this, that's a lot of show material potentially. So I'm going to share with you what I wrote. It's probably all wrong and there's no need to follow any of it, to heed any of it whatsoever. Um, but, um, just in case I might be right about one small thing, I, I want to walk you guys through with a political science class next hour on the, the upcoming election. And again, I, I, we're not going to just be doing a lot of this stuff during this cycle. I, I just don't think anybody really cares what my opinion is. I don't even know that it's right, but I'm only going to do it today because someone asked someone whose opinion, who, who I care what they think asked me to do it. And the amount of time I took on it made me think I need to recycle that for something else other than just a private conversation. Cause I spent, I spent a couple of hours on this fair. Yeah. So we're going to walk through it next hour 
and you guys can tell me what is complete and total BS and what isn't. Like okay. The Godfather, just when I think I'm getting out, they keep pulling me back in. It's, it's really more laziness on my part, to be blunt, which is, man, I spent two hours answering this and formulating this on a Saturday when I'm not getting paid. I might as well go ahead and put it on the air when I do get paid. I, none of it probably matters. None of it probably is true. None of it probably is accurate. None of it's probably good advice. But darn it. If I'm going to spend two hours answering someone's query on a day off, I might as well get paid for that time. Fair? Fair. So you guys get secondhand and you guys get secondhand content. It's just what I'm trying to tell you. We'll get into that coming up in the next hour of the program. But before we get into all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. And my computer just crashed. Give me five seconds. Keynote on Apple, Mac. Wonderful product. Wonderful product when I press play and it just goes, um, no. Sounds like it it needs a booster. Yeah, maybe uh, five boosters. Keynote quit unexpectedly. Let me open up our show file again. You know, I forgot to mention. BS while I try to do so. I will. Here's one thing I forgot to say at the bottom of this hour. Um, we did, we've, we've wondered, is there a line where this just, the spirit of the age is pushing stuff too far, that there's some level of common sense, that it doesn't have to be some red state where Ron DeSantis is governor or, you know, the, the whatever's left of the Christian church in America reacting, that just human beings made in the image of God, regardless of their belief system, are just like, uh, no. That we're not doing that. Well, for now, anyway, we may have found the answer that there is some place that we don't dominate and control where what can be proposed is so radical and ridiculous that even on their own, without caring what people like you and I think, because it's a place we rarely win, and when people representing us win there, they're basically Democrats that we did find an answer recently where the people just said, all right, that's too much crazy for us. We're going to tell you about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But now here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by what are we doing in Jordan? Three years. Guys, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what the heck is going on here. I'm going to blame it on the Travis Kelsey jersey. You're going to blame it on that? I am. I'm going to blame it on the Pfizer sales rep jersey. This is ridiculous. I just played it in queue, and it worked just fine, and now it's not. Shall I do this live? No, we're not going to make you do it live. There's a ton of stuff Do it live. If you want to try... I'll write it, and we'll do it live. If you want to try it live, you may. Go ahead. I'll I'll give give you the mic. Go for it. Let me try one more thing. Okay. I'll tell you what's coming up in the montage if I possibly can. Otherwise, we are just going to have to eschew it and maybe go down through the, the... the montage talking about Jordan. What the hell are we doing in that country? Uh, wild escalation uh, by uh, on the part of Iran. One more time, we're going to try this again. Live broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by What Are We Doing in Jordan? Three years. And there it goes again. So. I'm giving it all she's got, I'm Captain. I'm trying over here, guys. Nice what Travis Kelsey jersey. ever-loving <laughs> heck. <laughs> Is going on. (laughs) The thing that makes me the most enraged is when technology does not do 
what it's supposed to do. Let's just go through these stories quickly. Um, we had three U.S. servicemen uh, murdered by Iranian interest, it looks like, via drone in Jordan. Others, uh, several others injured, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Correct. All right. Um, here, here's where we are with with that. Um, and I and and I know that there's not like a yes. Remind us again that we're screwed. I I, I know that there's not a clamoring for that. Um, you know, like no publisher is going to offer me a three book deal with a six figure advance to write a trilogy of books for you about how you're living in the late stages of a empire. No, no one, no, there's no market for that. Nevertheless, I got into this business to tell people what I really think and to pursue the truth. And when you are in the late stages of an empire, oftentimes those aren't going to lead you to quality destinations, which is why we are going to focus on the bottom of the hour here on something that, frankly, it, this should not be a win. It's insulting that it is. But at this point, we'll take them when we can get them. All right. Here, here's the problem we have with, with, with the murder of our servicemen. On one hand, Iran is clearly attempting to provoke the United States into a wider conflict in the Middle East. This is very obvious. This is an attempt to goad us. And you have to understand, I mean, this is, these are the Ayatollahs. They don't have the same principle or value on human life that the, well, I was going to say the West does. The West used to, okay? Um, to sacrifice multitudes to essentially just be crash test dummies for U.S. weaponry is glorious to them. It's for a greater cause. I mean, this is a, this is a country that before Aaron was born and when Todd and I were children would, would, would send its children. Mothers would dress their pubescent sons, 13, 14, 15 years old, dress them up to go walk the minefields planted by Saddam Hussein to sacrifice themselves during the Iran-Iraq war, to sacrifice themselves in place of Iranian soldiers. And, and the mothers, the, Islam, the, 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 the Islamic mothers in Iran would dress their sons up because they were assured by Muhammad that their, son, their pubescent son dying in this cause means that he would wake up and be surrounded and shrouded by 40 virgins. And you, of course, want to look your best for the big night. I'm not making any of this up. This is all fact. So provoking the U.S. into a larger war, they're not worried about poking the bear. They're trying to. They are trying to. This is an attempt by Iran to reconsolidate. In the, in the Trump years, the biggest success of the Trump presidency was foreign policy, particularly in the Middle East. And what the Trump presidency did is it, it broke the Islamic cartel. The, 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 
the notions that we were sold for a generation that, well, we can't have peace in the Middle East at all, but we probably can't have it without dealing with the Palestinian question first. And and the only answer to that is, of course, a two state solution. The Trump administration bypassed all of that. And it worked. We had the Abrahamic Accords. We had unprecedented normalization between Israel and even nations like Saudi Arabia, which was the biggest exporter of Wahhabism at the time of 9-11, which is a radical strain of Islam. And so this also had this also had the result of isolating Iran. Iran is not an Arab country. It's a Persian country. Arabic is not its native language. Farsi is. It's the redheaded stepchild of the, of the Middle Eastern Islamic world. Many of the other countries in that region, region, including the Saudis, do not trust Iran. Many of the Islamic countries that are Arabic look at Iran the way that a first century Jew would have looked at a Samaritan. Yeah, you're living in our region. You're claiming you're worshiping the same God, but we're not the same people. And that's why Jesus chose to use the parable of the Good Samaritan to illustrate a a broader point about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. This is an attempt by Iran to re-ingratiate itself, to reascend itself as, as credible within the Islamic world, to prove the United States is the great Satan, to to set the foreign policy paradigm back to where it was from two thousand. In 16, if you reverse engineer it, really un- until after the first Gulf War. From George H.W. Bush, the New World Order, post-Gulf War. And so we're talking, what's that, 25 years? That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a long time, okay? And this was the paradigm, regardless of whether George W. Bush was president, Bill Clinton was, Barack Obama. This was the foreign policy paradigm. The Trump administration, to its credit, broke that. Iran is trying to reset that board. We cannot afford to get provoked into a larger Middle Eastern conflict that, frankly, we probably can't win without weapons of mass destruction. We just, and I'm not, when I say current leadership, I'm not even talking about the commander in chief. I'm talking about the military leadership. I, I just don't think the likelihood we could win is high. The resolve of our people, low. I've already told you, I I just I wouldn't give my blessing to my son whatsoever uh, dying for this country in any context other than literally Red Dawn, like China, Iran dropping soldiers in like Clive, a a suburb on the other side of Des Moines that short of defending the homeland itself, I, I would not be in favor of it as a father. However. And this is, again, where we've warned you, you can't really get, given the state of the world and the state of our country and our leadership, you just frankly can't, you're just not going to be able to afford to be highly doctrinal or creedal when it comes to foreign policy. It, there isn't. The world's too destabilized, as is our current leadership, to just say, Peace at all costs, forever war, 
I mean, the, the debates we had from the from the from Vietnam through who was it? Cindy Sheehan was walking the earth, you know, during yeah. the second Gulf War to protest yeah. Bush. Although that that debate between those two things, forever war, whatever it takes, invade everybody if we have to. From Gulf oh. of Tonkin to 9-11. The Cindy Sheehan okay. people now have Ukrainian flags Correct. on their That's also media. very true. Yeah, proving my point thus even more. Yeah. All right. So from essentially Gulf of Tonkin to, you know, Iraq, there was, there's never a problem a U.S. bombing can't solve. Okay. Or the other freak out, which is just, you know, let anybody do anything they want to us. Here's the other problem. All right. Allowing Iran to murder our soldiers in broad daylight and not responding violently and viciously makes us look weak. Does weakness typically satisfy, embolden, intimidate your enemies? It's never intimidate. No. No. Which means you're probably putting, if we don't, we're probably putting more U.S. servicemen at risk. More U.S. interests at risk. But if we, if we, if we take debate... We take another step down Iran's broader mission here. Well, Steve, you're making it sound like we're damned if we do and we're damned if you don't. Because that's exactly where I think we are. And it's unfortunate. And there's going to be more of these situations. This is what happens in history, guys. There's only one perpetual kingdom, and it's not human in origin. Empires always end. Some, like the Greco-Roman uh, part of Daniel's statue, take longer than the Medo-Persian part of it. But they get bronzed and put on a statue nevertheless. They get a Wikipedia page nevertheless. We used to say encyclopedia page when we were kids. They always end. And when, they, when they're in their process of ending, you can always tell because they're faced with these sort of Kobayashi Maru, catch-22s, things aren't cut and dried, because they're too compromised. And so the plumb line is lost. There's, there's no good solution here. I mean, we, I'm not anxious or eager to fight another war. Are you? You feeling all jingoistic this morning? I'm not. On the other hand, if we don't respond back to what they did to us, they're going to kill more. In other words, they're going to kill more whether we do or don't. I, I don't know what the solution is. I'd, I'd pray more for this country than you ever have. I'm, there aren't really good solutions. This is what happens when you're in the late stages of an empire. You also end up with situations where for decades you decide you're going to import foreign countries into yours and not ask them to assimilate, but allow them to essentially congregate instead. And then they end up electing people to Congress who just say out loud, I am here on behalf of Somali interests. If you know anything about Ilan Omar's congressional district, she represents it very well. It's little Somalia. That's exactly what it is. So, of course, they're cheering. That's what they want. And we told them they could have it. I know that we have had this level of comfort to believe that these foolish decisions that these like, you know, me cranking on Aaron's Travis Kelsey jersey at the start of this show is just an example in the grand scheme of things. 
None of that matters. I'm taking it off. <laughs> Seriously. No, don't now. Be stubborn about it, okay? That, I'll, well, you know, somebody said my montage died suddenly, and that's when I knew I need to take it off. Oh, the oh. montage died suddenly. <laughs> that's great. That is great. Okay. He is actually taking it off, in fact. He is. Nice. But um, now I'm, I'm lost. Where was I? Oh. Eventually, man, the laws of sowing and reaping are undefeated. They will come into play. You, you, you cannot outrun the laws of nature and nature's God. And so this tomfoolery that, you know, we wrote blogs about it. And then, you know, we listened to talk shows that, you know, shared our angst and we ranted and raved. It did nothing. And of course, I had to keep voting for the lesser of two evils that we knew were going to do nothing. So we just hoped uh, the, the only hope, uh, you know, as inspirational, of course, as it is, uh, is that they would just do less of nothing than the other side would do of, you know, the real nothing of, you know, darkness, um, you know, just materialistic nothing, you know. And so there was no resistance to any of this. And now you just wake up one morning in January and, you know. Hail Somalia from a member of Congress and, you know, uh, there's cheering because that's what our district thinks. The, the idea that we we're just going to continue to permit these things and look the other way decade after decade after decade. And eventually there would be no chickens to come home to roost. No penalty for this. That there would eventually these seeds would get planted year after year after year. And eventually there'd be, and there would be no harvest. It's just not true. And unfortunately, we're going to the, 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 the bills come and do. Uncle Bingo, checks come and do. You know, like Jack Napier's Joker says in the first Michael Keaton Batman, it's Uncle Bingo. Time to pay the check. It is time to pay. It's coming now. All the things we looked the other way, we couldn't be bothered. Why do you hate the melting pot, Steve? It's all, we don't have a melting pot anymore, Todd. We gave that up with, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. We, we just import worldviews now to dilute the one that we don't want to actually be in charge. But I, I do want to close with some good news. Because the laws of sowing and reaping are a double-edged sword. It doesn't always have to be a negative. There are still some places where you can look and still find contentment, maybe even a giggle. I've given up you know, Aaron was going to have more from Peter McCullough uh, uh, in his montage of it played on the latest vaccine data. Uh, spoiler alert, it's bad. Um, I, I've given up that anybody we held accountable for any of that. Did my best, did what I could. Y'all just wanted all the same people that did that to you to get reelected. So we're going to play that one out. Good luck to you. So I've given up. I mean, I've, there's nothing more I can do. You know, we'll see what the Florida grand jury comes up with here at some point between now and April 1, I'm told, and, and we'll see if anything comes of that. But other than that, I, I just, there won't be any accountability for all the suffering it caused and still causing. And that's not alone. Like, you know, Julie Sweatneck still is, you know, kind of chilling, walking around after going on national TV and accusing a Supreme Court justice with no evidence of being a gang rapist, right? I mean, Julie Sweatneck's still cool. She's good. Is she still, you know, feeling it? Enjoying her New Year's Eve party, probably? Cool. Yeah. Russian collusion lie. I mean, nobody went to prison. Nobody, nobody's accountable for anything. No, nobody's accountable for anything, Matt. So give that up. No one's getting held accountable for anything. Unless you are. You will be. But no one else. Um, and we have like no political agency. I got texted last night by my buddy Chris Wilson. He's like, hey, man, can you highlight this, t this, t this tweet for me? I looked at the tweet. It's Chris trying to pressure legislators in his home state of Oklahoma to cut taxes. That's where we are now. 
We got the thing we get, the Republicans used to just do to make us go away, to satisfy us. Now you got to beg them to do that. You got to beg Republicans in Oklahoma to cut taxes. That's where we are. So no one's getting held accountable. We have no agency, really. We're all going to have to like move to Florida and then probably only get to live there for like the next three years because who knows what happens after he leaves. Okay. But I'm here to close this out by telling you there is some good news. Because the laws of sowing and reaping are undefeated here. Take stories like what happened at the Louvre, where those savages went there and desecrated the Mona Lisa. Find your contentment in those stories. Because understand, it's the people that run places like the Louvre that cynically empowered these savages because they knew they thought by doing so, it would give them the political power they sought by mainstreaming them and, and turning them on us. Well, they've routed us. We're done. But the good news, as bad as that is, there is still some good news here. The good news is that those savages aren't going to be like, oh, snap. I guess we're, 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 we're satiated. We're going to go home. Is that what locusts do? Never. So find your satisfaction in when the laws of sowing and reaping demonstrate they are still cosmically self-enforcing. And you wake up on a Sunday and you find that those savages, after they're done ending our way of life, and they did, after they're done ending our way of life, are now going to end theirs. It's the little things now. Thoughts? <laughs> this is the weirdest <laughs> Monday segment one. You could tell Maybe football ever. season's over. <laughs> Buckle up, 2024! Yeah, we'll do the uh, we'll do the montage in in the overtime. Aaron just climbed out of the trailer. He's just sitting there in a t-shirt. <laughs> I I know when I'm beaten. That's some bad juju. The montage died suddenly. <laughs> I'm taking the jersey off me. Oh. It is working now, so we'll do it in the. Of overtime. course it is. Of course it is. More in a moment. Well, after that depressing opening to the show, you might be more interested in Bonner Private Wines than ever before. Especially there's Sunai Alagico from uh, the Kalaki Valley in Argentina at the third highest vineyard in the world. That means it's highly rated at 91 points. There's no fining or filtration. It preserves its true natural taste. It boasts a staggering 10 times more resveratrol uh, and 93% less sugar than the red wines you buy in stores. By the way, the only place you can get this is with our friends at Bonner Private Wines by becoming a member of the private wine partnership via Bonner. But act fast. This exclusive Malbec always sells out fast. And you don't want to miss the chance to also, if you join Bonner Private Wines, you can get up to 50% off or over 50% off on their other wines uh, in their catalog and free shipping as well we've all sampled these they're absolutely fantastic we'd all highly recommend them you can try it now for yourself at bonnerprivatewines.com slash steve b-o-n-n-e-r bonnerprivatewines.com slash steve that's bonnerprivatewines.com slash steve let's welcome in 
Alvin Louie is here with us. Uh, we've talked to Alvin before from Courage is a Habit. Good to have you back on the show. Alvin, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Steve, for having me back. I'm always great to see you, man. You bet. So we have, you know, we have wondered on this show, is there is there such a diminishing now of common sense? Is the is the broader culture so given over to the spirit of the age that unless you're living in a state that Ron DeSantis is governor of or you are in a uniquely red church influenced community. There, right. there, there just is not a belief system beyond that, that, that stands up to any of this silliness and says, dude, that, that's just stupid. We're not doing it. Yeah. You know, we've wondered like what, what was the moment here where places maybe where people like us don't dominate or aren't in charge right. that just good old fashioned, that is really a terrible idea. Common sense would come into play. It appears Maine may have found its breaking point of all places. That's certainly not a place where people like us have any major sway whatsoever. And so this was done almost entirely on their own, um, where the legislature there uh, has stood up against something called the, the transgender trafficking bill. Tell us about it. Right. So the transgender trafficking bill, it's a pattern after California's SB 107. Uh, Maine had one called LB 1735, and a transgender trafficking bill essentially says that a child from another state, if they get infected by the transgender social contagion, and they believe that they have to have transgender sterilization, destructive drugs, surgeries, and if their parents, rightly so, says, no, wait a minute, you're not born the opposite sex or something else wrong, let's find that out. Any adult under this transgender trafficking bill, any adult can take that child to Maine or one of these states that have the transgender trafficking bill and the state of Maine will not reunite that child with their parents because their parents is now deemed unsafe and abusive. And we were able to stop that bill in Maine 12 to zero because of the enormous heat that we brought on that uh, committee uh, from the entire country. People in Maine did not know this bill existed and we brought the heat to them and like cow like these cowards that they are, uh, they actually initially wanted to review it on January 17th. We brought the heat 48 hours with the heat. They postponed it to last Thursday, uh, which was the 25th. And then they voted 12 zero. Uh, to kill that bill in committee so the bill's dead well excellent work on behalf of your group first of all so thank you for that how many thank you how many of the people within the legislature that you and particularly on that committee uh alvin and and for people that don't understand the way the legislative process works um in, in a state legislature things have to just like in congress have to work their way through a committee the committee has to vote a bill out mm -hmm. of a committee to then and then leadership has to determine whether they're going to allow it on the floor uh, in state legislatures there's these things called funnel dates all right and and so you have to have anything that's not out of a committee by that funnel date is not brought to the floor in the in the broader legislative session for a vote unless leadership you know decides unilaterally to to bring it out uh by their own power because they view it to be that important all right and so i'm guessing a lot of the people you interacted with there in that legislature were people on this committee probably that's right okay that's absolutely right how many of them were truly unaware of the scope of what it is that was being proposed here and we're just going along with it because 
these are the approved rainbow jihad talking points and we don't want to look like bigots basically but had not critically investigated the the devil and the details and then how many of them would you guys say were were, were, were down to clown here but um the minute the heat was brought had to scurry like roaches i believe out of the 12 probably six and seven of them were definitely looking to pass it they were looking to pass it uh if it wasn't for the heat they would have done it and i'll tell you why we actually beat this bill once last year in January 2023. They kicked it down the road because of the same heat we brought them. But uh, so the fact that they try to sneak it in this year quietly, even quieter than last year, shows that they had every intention to pass it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have snuck it in again. Mm -hmm. They knew exactly what that was because we told them what it was last year, which is why they punted it uh, to this year. So, no, this isn't a long uh the idea of culpable deniability when it comes to the transgender cult is absolutely zero, Steve. We give these people no quarters. We give them no uh, culpable deniability. Everybody knows what the transgender cult is. You either support it or you don't. There's none of this. I don't know what gender affirming care is. You know what it is. Is double mastectomies and castration, is sterilization drugs that are irreversible to minors. It is a lifelong medical patient. Everybody knows what it is. At this point, there is no such, there is no, oh, I didn't know what it was. Especially when you're in the legislator, uh, you would know exactly what it is. Without a lot of political representation and agency in a place like Maine, where even the mm-hmm. people who get elected uh, um, that we might vote for really are just, you know, probably just people that weren't good enough to be on Team Democrat. That's often what happens in blue states is the we Republicans just end up with the people that weren't good enough to be on Team Democrats. So right. they just slide over, right. become Republicans and vote like they were Democrats. So right. Right. how were you able to bring pressure to bear? I want This is something I, I, that I think is important. You know, our theme on the show this sure. year, Alvin, is dominion. Control what you can control, right? right? And That's so right. on the surface, a lot of people would look at this thing is doomed. We can't possibly stop it in a place like Maine. Right. You know, the, we're not right. going to have backing from either one of the parties for this. Okay. Nope. If anything, the Republicans right. will try to mutilate more kids to show they're not bigots in a place like Maine. Okay. And so uh, how were you able then, so, so the people can see a plan of attack moving forward, other than calling, if this happens in my blue state, other than calling, or even red state, other than calling yeah. Alvin Louie at Courage as a Habit, okay, help us, sure. Obi-Wan, you're our only hope, okay? <laughs> what, what did you guys do here to bring pressure to bear in a state where, frankly, people like us just don't have a lot of agency politically? No, that's a great question. And so you're absolutely right. The Republicans were largely pretty silent. We had a wonderful rep uh, rep, uh, from the House there named uh, Katrina Smith, and she was fantastic, but she was fairly a lone wolf. Uh, You know, she did represent the House. But these guys were silent last year. They were silent uh, last week. And uh, they held a press conference four hours before the vote and said all the right things. So it's like, no, you weren't in the fight. But like I said, you know, Katrina was wonderful. so here's here's a couple of the tips that I think was very effective. Number one, we do something what we call breathe life into a bill. A lot of people, when they fight these bills, they'll just throw the bill out and say, look how horrible it is. But most people, when you read the bill, it's very confusing. And especially these transgender trafficking bills, they write it confusing on purpose. So what we do is we want to put the faces to these bills. So we put these eight people that we felt that were gonna vote for it. And we said, here's your transgender traffickers. They, they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, and we put the a face to the bill. The other thing that we did that was very effective was we made our call to action very simple. 
And the call to action was email these people, whether you live in Maine or not, because this affects uh, parental rights in all 49 states. If you live in Tennessee, you live in Indiana, you live in Kentucky, your child can go over to Maine and you will not get them back. So we made a page on our website that literally said, here's what the bill is. We made a graphic to make it real simple. There was no uh, misunderstanding as what the bill did or what's going to do. Then we had the faces of the people, we had their emails, and then we had some sample email. So every time we went out there, we want to make sure that the call to action was very clear. That's the first thing. We have mm -hmm. to be clear. Everyone has to know they can do something because otherwise, all you're doing is creating outrage with no outlet. Then the other thing that we did was really effective was we started uh, doing uh, X spaces on, on, on Twitter. It's called X now. And we did these spaces, and I'll tell you, Steve, over the weekend, uh, the, 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 four, the five days that we really put a lot of pressure, um, we must have done we must have done over 20 hours of spaces. We did uh, four hours one night on writing a, a space where we just encourage people to write. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was, uh, you know, my, uh, my co-founder there, Jennifer McWilliams, she was a beast. Uh, she really drummed up a ton of uh, support. Then we also had people who uh, were in, uh, you know, the different uh, different uh, publications that helped cover it because we've we've you know uh, we've we've garnered that that uh, that relationship over the years. But I would say that for anybody fighting this in a state where you think it's unbeatable, you have to go on offense. You cannot apologize for it. You can't say things like, "Well, I want all kids to feel safe." It's not that I don't, but if you have that attitude, uh, you're not going to win. And so the best advice I can give you, the first thing is do not let your kindness be weaponized against you. Hmm. Stop letting your empathy get weaponized against you. Because once you do that, once you use their language, once you feel for, fall for that guilt, then you're done before you even get out of the gate. That is great stuff. And I love outrage without, would you say outlet? Is that what you said? Um, and outrage without an outlet will create hopelessness. Yeah, that's both of those things are absolutely phenomenal. All right, quickly, where does this kind of stuff, because you mentioned they brought this in last year. This has already been tried in mm -hmm. California. All right, this is a Hydra. Yes. Where are you yes. seeing similar kind of legislation being uh, at least preliminarily discussed elsewhere around the country? So currently there are 15 states that have some sort of transgender trafficking bill. Uh, whether it's a, there's 12 of them that actually has a transgender trafficking bill, the exact bill that we beat 12 to zero in Maine. So 12 states have identical transgender trafficking bills. Three states uh, has done it by executive order. Arizona, New York, and then another one, I can't remember off the top of my head. So there are 15 states in total right now that has the uh, copycat bill of California SB 107. Now, what's really important about California is right now they're looking to get a ballot initiative they need like 500,000 signatures but they can if they get this ballot initiative uh in california okay then it'll be up to the vote where they'll say you cannot keep secrets from parents uh no more uh, transgender surgeries and and drugs for kids if that ballot gets on california and they vote that down that will be a huge hit to the transgender cult because it, it's in california which is where the mothership is mm -hmm. to all that um, and so uh, people need to go and, and help with that. Um, and it's uh, it's uh, it really just an important, uh, important uh, initiative. And I'll give you the link so that you can put it in your show notes for everybody. Yeah, go ahead. What is that? It's protect uh, Cal 
Cal, kitscal.com. But I'm, I might have gotten that wrong. So I want to give you that link to make sure that you get okay. it in your show notes. All right. People are listening to this right now. They want to hook up with you guys and say, hey, we need your help. Yeah. How can they do that, Alvin? Absolutely. So go over to courageisahabit.org. That's courageisahabit.org. Or you can follow us on X or on our socials, which is at Courage Habit. But courageisahabit.org is where you're going to find our catalog. Uh, it's create these, This catalog is created for the average parent, for the average le- legislators to know exactly what's happening at, in, in schools, because this social contagion starts in schools. And of course, we're a nonprofit and we're trying to expand our small team so we can reach more parents and do more of what uh, we did here in Maine. So every support uh, goes a long way, and we certainly appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Great work, man. That's the Lord's work you guys did in Maine, Alvin. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. We'll have you back. Keep it going, okay? Thank Thank you, you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. So there's a blueprint there, gentlemen. Uh, a, A state where politically, demographically, there's no hope whatsoever. You can hear him. We found we found one Republican who was good on this. The rest of them, after we were going to get a win, tried to essentially jump on the bandwagon and, and claim it when they weren't nowhere in that battle. But they were still able to build enough critical mass there and expose enough truth there uh, to defeat this. And the two things I think that he said in terms of advice moving forward, do not let your empathy or kindness be weaponized against you. Or as I like to put it, don't try to be nicer than God. Okay. Uh, And then number two is, you know, you have to have an outlet for your outrage. And I think that those were, uh, I mean, that's some solid food right there. So excellent work by Alvin and his group. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, the the point about not letting your empathy be weaponized, uh, it's it's a must. It's a it's non-negotiable. I made the exact same point this weekend. I was on a uh, Facebook live with a local uh, uh, journalist here, Jacob Hall, with the Iowa Standard. And there's a bill right now in the Iowa legislature about taking uh, sexual identity out of the civil rights code. And you can already tell that people are trying to be nice and say they still have a right if it's diagnosed as a mental illness, which, which is true. But again, on offense, you got to go. This is, you're not having any rights taken away. That's the whole point. This was never a right to begin with. We are restoring reason. We are restoring sanity. We are restoring reality. No one's rights are taken away. Don't let anybody try to get in gray area on that. It's a must because you lose ground immediately if you're pulling your punches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't try to nuance yourself. Uh, nuance yourself. Nuancing uh, yourself will uh, inevitably uh, lead to failure. Uh, there, this is on, on basically every issue, but especially on this, it is black and white. Don't fall for any sort of uh, pulling of the heartstrings. And what's so encouraging uh, about uh, the effort in Maine is that not only was there a critical mass. And not only were there action items, it sounds to me as if there was consistency as well. And eventually that drip, 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 drip of consistency gave through in a positive way where people were able to sway the people who had some say in whether or not this transgender trafficking bill would come to pass in that state. Consistency and uh, getting people with a say to be swayed is going to be the key moving forward. I'm I'm reminded just uh, quickly as we get out of here. I, I don't know if you told this story, but when uh, when the battles over uh, so-called same-sex marriage, which doesn't exist, were going down, I think in our legislature, there was one legislator who was on the right side of that issue, but said he was pestered every single every single day he was in his office by a couple 
mm-hmm. a couple. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, he stayed strong as far as I'm aware. He did. But uh, that that wears down on legislatures or legislators one way or another. I hope it's not the another. <laughs> it should be one way. Yeah, you're mentioning where he said, hey, we can't do a massive rally. or The other side can't do a massive rally like you guys can. But there's a different couple homosexual activists down here every day calling me out of session every single day they're here every day you guys do one big event one day a year they're here every single day hour two is next And greetings back with Hour 2 live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with literally the man of a thousand wardrobes today, Aaron McIntyre. <laughs> Spokane, you're up. <laughs> Aaron is literally going to wear anything that will cause our technology to work properly today, trying to reverse the juju over there. Uh, Todd Erzin is here with us as well. So are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can access it by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter. Get her Instagram and TikTok. You can also find me uh, uh, with a five-star review, or I'd like to find your, I should say, five-star review on iTunes or any of the podcast platforms that you prefer. Please help us uh, continue to grow. Uh, by hitting us with those five-star reviews. Thank you to all of you who have, and make sure to hit uh, subscribe, or if you are on iTunes, follow. That way, every time we do a brand new episode, it will show up in your feed every single time. And given the conversation we are about to have, I'm not sure there has been a better time to remind you about our friends at My Patriot Supply, because by the time we're done with this conversation, you are probably going to seriously consider becoming a client. Go to preparewithdace.com, save $200 on an essential three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks sealed inside ultra-durable packaging. They last up to 25 years with proper storage, over 2,000 plus calories a day that you need just in case. Because you know the last time, what you guys remember the last time, Todd, you are just reminding us. You know, the, the last time we had a, a 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl in February the rest of the year kind of sucked. Fair. To put it mildly. To put it mildly. Yeah. So might want to be you hear that sound, Aaron rebooting computers. It's always good to hear that too when you're live on the air, when you're when your producer engineer is rebooting equipment. You can hear that when you're live on the air. That's always great to hear. Is a little paper clip guy that talks to you showing up and Do giving you, you any help? advice? All right. Anyway, back to my Patriot Supply. They've got over or almost two dozen different meals inside, so you can mix and match. So at least if it does go down, you'll have a variety of delicious meals. All right. Get $200 in savings. And if you order by 3 p.m., free same-day shipping, too, uh, at preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. And my Patriot Supply. Get access to it now at preparewithdace.com. All right. So Saturday morning, I wake up. First text I see, 7 a.m. I get a text from the great one. Read this. All right, man. When a guy uh, who has uh, sold approximately 70 million books texts you on a Saturday morning and says, read this, Todd, I, I think at that point, there's only one thing to do. Read it. Okay? So I did. And um, here's my one-word review. Yikes. 
Okay. Uh, it's a, it's a piece written by Matt Talibi. I think that's how his name's pronounced. And if I got it wrong, Matt, I apologize. But as I mentioned last hour, he's kind of in this, um, this Glenn Greenwald, Brett Weinstein, um, RFK Jr., Joe Rogan group of classical liberals who are kind of rebelling Bill Maher to some extent. Uh, although Maher seems more, I saw that he had Adam uh, Schiff on his roundtable this past week. So Maher, I, I, probably because he's on HBO, still feels as if he's got to make alms to the uh, spirit of the age, you know, on his program. I don't think he's quite, uh, maybe red pills, not the word, but uh, uh, quite as detoxed as the other names, but these people are kind of all in a similar group. Mm -hmm. Fair. Okay. And, uh, he has a piece out and, and I've, it's on all of my socials right now on purpose during the break. I placed it on all of my socials right now. If you are listening live here at one Oh four Eastern time, it's so whether you're on getter gab, MeWe, Facebook, uh, or X slash Twitter, it's the first thing in my feed right this minute. Now, if you're listening to the podcast later, that won't be the case. Other stuff will get posted, but at least you'll know what you're looking for. And you're and and it has this caption. All right, I put the same caption with it. Quite the read, which claims uh, in great detail the plans Democrats have to use lawfare to win this election by hook or by crook, even beyond what Jack Smith is up to. We all see above the surface shots fired at RFK Jr. as well. The piece is called "Is the Electoral Fix Already In." That's the name of the piece. Is the electoral fix already in? And and in this piece, it's extremely detailed, extremely well sourced. It's the kind of piece that you know we we did a series of evergreens last year on you know long think pieces that we wanted to be able to break down and have long form conversations about. This would absolutely qualify for something like that. I would highly recommend you read it. And. Uh, And what it demonstrates is that this infrastructure w- was, was, began to be put into place in 2016. It just wasn't quite ready yet to be fully weaponized. And then you had the Comey letter. Everybody forgets about that. Remember the letter that James Comey sent to Congress the week before the 2016 election saying, uh, by the way, Hillary Clinton's still probably a crook. Remember that? Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and that probably swayed the election that letter did. More than, two things, uh, I think, swayed that election. Number one, I think Hillary acted as, as if she had it in the bag all along. And and uh, Trump, to his credit, just, you know, grinded on the campaign trail in the final months. Just, you know, like a sales, like the salesman he is, refused to take no for an answer. Right. So he worked it. He absolutely worked the ground in these battleground states with an incredible schedule, if I recall, down the stretch. Right. And, the, and then the whole axiom coming out of 2016. Well, maybe Hillary should have maybe thought about going to Wisconsin once and never did. Right. OK. The other thing, though, even if he had done that, he probably still loses. But it. It was the Comey letter that I think allowed the hard work his campaign was putting in down the stretch to capitalize on that. It was just like one final reminder. She's terrible, guys. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, you know, Trump wins four states decide by a total that decided the election by a total margin of less than uh, 78,000 votes. And the rest, as they say, is history. Okay. This lawfare that then was much more entrenched for 2020 and is now a fully armed and operational battle station for 2024, which Talibi lays it out and, and says this goes way beyond even Trump. I mean, this is 
I mean, there are shots fired at RFK Jr. here, essentially. We're not allowing another Ralph Nader, Jill Stein. We're not doing that, right? We'll destroy you too, okay? And so this piece, it doesn't, it doesn't really tell you anything if you consume outlets like this on a regular basis you probably don't already know or suspect it does quantify it though in more detail than i've ever seen before i I know you've had a chance to read it didn't you think the same thing oh yeah i couldn't i started getting into it and i had to like i had to put it it was too too. long i had to go do what i was gonna do and come back to it later it was it's yeah it goes yeah it it doesn't there's not a rock a stone that does not that's not you know unturned here okay so you know, I mentioned Mark sent it to me, sent it to some other people here within our group at the Blaze, and uh, some of us got to talking about, you know, some of us got to talking about it, and one of them asked me what I would do about this, and um, and and I said I I don't know because there I I know we were telling you last week that this is going to be the longest general election ever in terms of both the number of days. And the saturation of media. And that's true. But when we're talking about unearthing, uh, you know, layers of fail safes in the system that are years in the making. That's not enough runway to undo this. It's just not. So you have to. And I, I communicated this to our group. I don't think an election and, and, and I think, I think in 2016, you could have used this to your advantage and Trump did use stuff like this to his advantage successfully. You could have used stuff like this to your advantage to expose and make the case for your candidacy, right? Because this was kind of new. One of the things that these guys on the left do so well, that the spirit of the age does so well is, is, is they just do stuff without like a heads up without like an advance campaign. They just do stuff. And before we have organized on our end resistance to it, even 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 come to agreement on what our talking points are going to be to push back on it. And, and that's assuming you can even get us on the same all on the same page. Most of the time you can't. All right. But but they put us on our heels. They just do this stuff. So that we're not ready and we're always in response. We're always reactionary. And then and they and they do it counting on the short attention span and, and the comfort level of the American people that they'll be outraged by it now, but in 10 minutes they won't remember. And then a day or two later, it'll be the new normal and they're just kind of accustomed to it. This has been a very successful strategy for the other side. As opposed to what we saw a lot in the Trump years when he became president which was I'm going to brand you brand myself in advance as pushing back against this stuff. I'm even going to tweet out stuff when he was still on Twitter or now truth social. I'm going to put out into the ether exactly what I'm going to do about it so that I've, I've weapon. They're fired up. They're ignited. They're weaponized. They've got their counter ready to go. In fact, they're acting on their counter even before Trump has engaged his proposal. And then sometimes he just, and oftentimes just wouldn't. And so, and so we, we talked about this during the Trump era, that we would get the worst of both worlds. He would threaten this radical action to confront them, often not follow through, and would radicalize their base to stand up to him. And then when he didn't follow through, our base would then get demoralized and, you know, what are we doing? They do things the opposite. They just do stuff, like the Joker. I just do stuff. I just do things. 
Okay. And go back to the Joker. What does he say in that same kind of mon- that same soliloquy? Do I look like a guy with a plan? Yeah. But if people think there's a plan, the stuff they'll tolerate, the stuff they'll put up with. Okay. If they think there's a plan, I was communicating on another matter today with our friend Tracy Beans. And I said something to her that, is, that, that has occurred to me a lot in the last few months. Do you know what's even scarier than a, an unaccountable cabal of elites secretly running the world? Or the country like a deep state or a world economic forum? You know what's even scarier than that? Nobody's in charge. Nobody is. And I'm, I'm increasingly coming to that conclusion. Because that's, that's truly demonic. Chaos. Agents of chaos. There is no plan. Because I, I, I'm starting to think that if these people were really in charge, we wouldn't know who Yuval Harari is. Let alone have all of his greatest hits plastered all over the internet. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, they would have just done his stuff. And we would have found out after the fact when we're already on the trains being sent, you know, wherever to the, to the camps. They're not going to tell us in advance. I mean, I mean, they're not. I, I kind of think that if if COVID was as coordinated of a plan as we think it was, they wouldn't let a schmuck from Iowa write two best selling books about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just kind of think that they would have shut that whole thing down by now, don't you think? They made him would have called to Jeff Bezos and said, "Hey, bro, why are we putting that book up there?" on your website going against our plan. You know, they'd have done stuff like that. I think what you're saying is when nobody's in charge, there's one entity in charge. Correct. When I say no one in charge, I mean human. That's what I mean. Yeah. And so, if we're, if if we, we don't have, we don't have the means, we're not going to expose this stuff. And I, I, I wrote back to our group, who that, can, who that comes to the blaze or any meaningful sight on the right would be like radicalized by this. Like they would be like, wow, I just, I hadn't considered they were willing to, after P tapes and Russian collusion and Ukrainian quid pro quo, I, I just... I kind of just looked the other way at all of this for all these years. And now it's suddenly I'm, 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 I'm finally convinced that this, these people have to be, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And within our audiences, this story is almost white noise now, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's so well known. That goes back to, they just do this stuff. Even among us, they just do this stuff. And it's just like, well, I mean, I guess, okay. It's normal. So it's the, it's conditions now. What are we gonna do about it? It's already in. It's in place. So I I don't know a way around this. You implied that this kind of thing is part of what kept voters voter turnout low in Iowa. We do, this was not out yet, but you we were talking about the reasons why just on Friday. Yeah. I don't know a way around this other than you have to win an election despite this. And then after you win, you have to uproot these things. And you're not going even to, in, even in two full terms, if it was a Pax Americana term, you're not going to completely, you know, fumigate the place. Not only that, as soon as you start, people, the normies are going to resent you for it because you're yes. going to like, why are you being hostile? Why are you exactly. mucking up the works? But you at least have to strike some form of a blow 
and uprooting it enough that it's damaged. Even if you can't mortally wound it, some aspect of it has to regroup. So you're you're buying time for maybe the next person to get in there, and mm-hmm. they they dam. This is a hydra, essentially. All right, what they've constructed here, and so that turned the conversation to winning this election in spite of this lawfare. How would how would that be possible? And we kind of shared our thoughts on that. And I ended up spending almost two hours on this Saturday, just giving it way too much attention to detail. (laughs) I'm not sure anything I'm about to point out to you matters is right. Any it's anything, any form of counsel anybody should take whatsoever. But since I was asked, I answered. And then after I spent that amount of time answering, I thought, you know what, man? Why come up with some with another hour of content on Monday when I could just share to you guys what I shared with our group? Okay. Before I do that, though, it what I'm going to share with you flies in the face of a lot of what you're being sold. If you if you uh, patronize a Fox News or a lot of the other major conservative. Um, you know, aggregators or websites. What I'm about to, to 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 show you and walk you through won't make much sense unless I explain to you why I would take a completely different tact from much of what you are shown and sold. And I've done this before. I mean, I've I've, I've you know I wrote a book a few years ago, uh, you know, called Truth Bombs that laid out, endorsed by Mark Levin, by the way, uh, that that laid out how much of what we are told by even Fox News as conservatives is just not true. It's, it is meant to not make you aware of the amount of leverage that you actually have in this process or even how the process actually works. But that's so you will engage the process through gatekeepers and they will remain in charge, like tribal chieftains and you're the plebes, okay? You're the, you're the pawns. They're the main pieces on the chessboard. So I, I need to deprogram you guys before I show you what I or I explain to you what what I would do to win this election in spite of this stuff. All right. And so allow me to do so. With with this with this data and this information, I want I want to show this to you. All right. I'll walk you through this in, in, on audio if you're not watching today and just on the podcast. All right. Um, this is the percentage of the electorate that is suburban and the percentage of the electorate that is black during the Trump era. All right. So 2016, 2018, 2020, 2022. All right. So that's the last four major election cycles, two presidential elections, two midterms. So a, a good balanced sample. All right. 2022, 52% of the electorate was suburban. 11% of it was black. 2020, 51% of the electorate was suburban, 13% of it was black. 2018, 51% of the election was suburban, 11% of the electorate was black. And 2016, 49% of the electorate was suburban, and 12% of it was black. Now, now this is going to fly in the face of what a lot of you, if you consume conservative media probably instinctively think because the amount of righty election obsession between these two groups is like 90 10 in the other way. I mean, the, the amount 
of righty election obsession in, within conservative media about gaining another point or two of the black vote that is a sliver of the electorate compared to the to what's the strategy for the largest for going you know for the largest block of swing voters in every election i mean it's just not even close it's just not even close even the amount of pieces you'll find and broadcast you'll find and references i mean fox news is telling the brothers be flipping at the barbershop no one's telling you how we're going to get the suburban whites to vote for us again no one seems to even care to have a plan even discuss it now here's why i think that is I think it's just as simple as whites who consume our content are so desperate to be told they're not racist anymore that that's there's a there's a mass market for this. You guys have heard me say before, if if, if you're a minority and you don't know what to do, you know, if you're unemployed and, and sadly, there's too many of you in the Biden economy, I would I would suggest getting good at reading conserv- being non-white and reading conservative talking points off a teleprompter. Boom market for that. Most of, you know, the two most effective political talking points of my lifetime are what Reagan did to the term, did to the term liberal, destroyed it. They had to rebrand themselves as progressives in the post Reagan Bush era. Second, the Democrats branding Republicans racist. The, The amount of fear of it, the amount of desire to disprove it within the right is forget white liberal guilt that's not nearly as destructive as i'll prove to you i'm not a racist the fear of being labeled that the desire to to not be labeled that to overcome that label it's self-immolating self-handicapping and it's one of the reasons why you hear me say stuff like the content that we often produce in conservative media Often, too often, it puts us at odds with what we claim our stated goals are. Like a lot of you think people like me's number one job is to get Republicans elected. And a a lot of my contemporaries, by the way, agree with that. But then we produce content that will not do that. Because at the same time, you want to be assured, Whitey, you're not a racist this time. The brothers are flipping this time. We're going to get 13% of the black vote this time, guys. Hardy har har. That's the content you want. And so on one hand, you want people like me to be turnout, get out the vote turnout agents for the Republican Party. But then at the other hand, in between cycles, you want us to feed you a bunch of content that actually won't accomplish that stated goal. So which is it? Do you want your bellies rubbed and told that you're not really a racist? It's okay. Or do you want to beat the people falsely calling you racists? You can't do them both. Let me show you why. I want you to check out this chart. And again, if you're listening on the podcast, I'll walk you through it. Um, this is a chart of the states with the highest black population. There, these are the 16 states in the union whose black populations are higher than the national average. The national average right now is 14% of the population nationwide is black. There's only 16 states that have higher than national average black populations. That may surprise you in and of itself. What's going to really blow your mind? Most of them are red states. 
If we broke down these 16 states, we would break them down into six red states, five blue states, and five swing states. I mean, look at the list. Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, South Carolina. These are places that a Democrat nominee has no chance to win a presidential election. None. Don't even bother trying. Don't even show up. Probably haven't seen this on Fox News before, I'm guessing. When they told you the brothers be flipping at the barbershop. Well, Steve, we just can't overcome these black voters in these cities and these swing states. Well, how many blacks in New Orleans do you think are voting Republican, Todd? We think the number is. Low. Pretty low. Close to maybe zero. Yeah. 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 Is Wisconsin on this list? Uh, no. Pennsylvania? Nope. Pennsylvania's not on this list. See, you know why you're losing these states? It's not because, oh no, Milwaukee County came in again. You're losing the suburbs in these states. That's why. But you don't want to be told that. You want to be told you're not racist because you've been falsely called that for 30 years. And so you're so desirous of, of, being, of being absolved of that sin that you never committed. That we're committing another sin now of my people perish for a lack of knowledge. If you look at the, the, the five states on this list that are swing states... Georgia just became it. Georgia wasn't a swing state when not you and I were growing no. up. Georgia wasn't a swing state when Aaron when Aaron was in, was still in college. It just became a swing state. Suburbs, North Carolina, one of the largest suburban states in the country. Research triangle, Virginia, Virginia was a was a red state, then became a swing state like Ohio that Republicans could win, and then became a blue state. How? Bunch of whites, progressive whites, moved into the suburbs there. Not because the the black uh, vote in Richmond. Not, no, no. Were the blacks in Richmond voting for Ronald Reagan in 1984, Todd? No, no, they weren't. They they weren't. They weren't, actually, no. And Florida, Michigan. Michigan, I guess you could say because of Detroit, historically there's a large black population in there, but it's also a very heavily suburban state. The suburbs are killing us. I shared this chart with some people I know. People are very well connected in this business. One of them who spends millions each election cycle for a group you would know. You would all know this group. Household name on the right. Spends millions each election cycle on behalf of that group trying to get Republicans elected. Here's what he told me. Quote, I tell my donors that this chasing after the black vote is a waste of money, and there's much more a crossover appeal with Hispanics who are also moving into the suburbs now, but they don't want to hear it. They're just tired of being called racist, unquote. These are successful, wealthy donors who even when you just show them you're wasting, this is a waste of money. Stop spending this money. Again, you know, what did Alvin Louis say last segment? Don't let your kindness and empathy be weaponized against yes. you. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yes. Here. It is. Even wealthy men, men who can buy and sell whole networks like the Blaze if they wanted tomorrow. Just taking money like the Joker and lighting it on fire because they because I have to show I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. Just an extremely stupid one. Here's another little birdie. Look at this. Quote, Oh, we skipped one, I think, Aaron. Um, that's the next one. Uh, I was I helped coordinate Jared Kushner because he ran the 2020 camp. Thank you. Uh, he ran the 2020 campaign for Trump. Look at look at this. Look at this. I helped coordinate Jared Kushner's 2020 Black neighborhood canvassing in battleground states. 
Our canvassers were more likely to get assaulted for being Republicans than convince voters to support us. That's what he told me. Told me this. Told me this in writing. Text. Shared this with another little birdie of mine that does canvassing. I mentioned I had a birdie of mine that was doing canvassing for the GOP in, uh, I think it was Utah and Arizona for the 22, 22 midterms for Hispanics, right? Mm-hmm. So I sent this over to him to get his thoughts on it. Here's what he wrote back to me. Quote, I was in meetings with Jared Kushner in 2020 when he would be warned we are wasting money canvassing black neighborhoods for votes and should spend those resources elsewhere. He never looked at our data and just assumed or called us racist. Remember when I said what's scarier than a cabal of elites, a GOP establishment, a deep state, a WEF, a Bilderbergs? Is it a Muslim brotherhood? What's scarier than those folks being secretly in charge? Nobody is. And there's no plan, Joker. It's not all part of the plan. There's no plan. Everybody's just this bad at this. Just terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people terribly as it was in the days of Noah. The amount of content, nevertheless, despite this data, that we will produce about how we're going to win an extra point or two of voters that represent a sliver of the electorate and mostly do not live in places we could even win. Does it matter if you get 20% of the black vote in Maryland? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. That'd be an incredible task, by the way. Wouldn't change who gets Maryland's electoral college votes. Wouldn't change it at all. Could you imagine getting 25% of the black vote in New York? That'd just be insane, right? Do you know how many of electoral college votes out of New York you'd get if you did that? Not enough. Not enough. Zero would be the answer because it's winner take all. You'd still lose. So I needed to show you this before I lay out what I would suggest. Now that you're detoxed, I will present an antidote that probably no one will listen to and it probably sucks and doesn't matter anyway. Next. For over a decade now, Patriot Mobile has been on the vanguard of America's parallel economy as America's only, really American, mobile phone provider. And when I say only, trust me, they are the only one. They're the only one that can provide you dependable nationwide coverage, giving you access to all of the three major networks out there uh, and a first rate 100 percent U.S. based customer service team without also uh, trying to destroy uh, whatever's left of our belief system. In fact, they they share those beliefs and they take the money that we give them and use it to try to bolster those values instead. That's why you want to make the switch. You get both. You get both a great product, but then also a company that shares your values at the exact same time. Our family, after putting it off and putting it off because we were comfortable, finally made the switch to Patriot Mobile a few years ago, and we have not regretted it ever since and not looked back. If you want to do the same, again, that customer service team is outstanding. They're U.S.-based. That means you can actually um, understand them. Uh, They'll make make it as phenomenally seamless as possible. If you today, you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. 
PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Give them the offer code Steve to get a free activation. They'll customize a plan for you. Uh, Keep your phone, uh, upgrade your phone, keep your number, get a new number, whichever you prefer. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. All right. So um, this next part that I'm going to share with you, uh, I'm going to read off my phone. On purpose, I did not put this out there. Uh, number one, um, I, I just don't know how good any of this advice is. I mean, I, I kind of feel like it's the most, I'm just being transparent here. I, I, I remember after Romney lost the 2012 election and, and John McCain was brought on the Sunday morning shows the next week to talk about why Republicans keep losing. And I'm thinking, well, dude, if you know what it took to win, why didn't why didn't you just do it when you were the nominee? You know what I'm saying? I mean, this this party and particularly Fox love to bring out people that got their asses kicked to tell the people um, that you know we would prefer win anyway. Uh, how to do better? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Who's the guy who told you I'm not the enemy, Deese? Yes, right, Rince, Rince, Rince yeah, <laughs> Rince Priebus, yes. Okay, you know, and so that's that is kind of a thing on the right, which is to recycle losers. I'm a loser. Okay. I just got my ass kicked in my own home state. Bad. So I would listen to another Steve. I'd go listen to Bannon. I'd trust his advice more than mine. So this this is, you know, there's no need. I don't I don't need to be out on Twitter giving campaign advice to people who just kicked my ass. I don't, I don't need to be doing that. Okay. Um, and then they won a presidential election when I wasn't supporting him. And then when I vehemently support them, they lost. So I could be I could be my own problem here. Maybe if I just would have stayed out of the Trump camp all along, maybe we'd still be president now. I don't know. Maybe I'm the jinx. Okay, that's entirely possible. All right. Um, But I'm going to share it with you because I was asked. And this is our show and our little community here, and we can have these conversations amongst themselves. Doesn't mean I, you know, would suggest tagging anybody in the Trump team with any of this counsel because they don't need it to the victors go the spoils, man. And they wouldn't. And even if any of this turns out to be right, and that would just be probably blind, stupid luck, um, they're not going to listen to it from me anyway. But just in case, on one hand, yes, I had an hour of airtime to kill today, and I figured I'd put all this work in. Might as well share it with you. But there's another reason. Just in case, you never know. You never know. Every now and then, I'm right. Not very often. But just in case, this is one of those rare times I'm right. Figured I'd go on the record now. Over under. Is this the thing that finally gets you to CPAC? Oh, no. No. Nothing nothing other than a Trump tramp stamp would get me to CPAC. And I'd have to probably display it. Speak from, speak facing the other way so that you would just hear me talking with the tramp stamp facing you. That's probably what what it would require at this point. All right. So four points, and these are on my phone. All right. Take them one by one. You guys tell me what you think. You ready? Yeah, probably not. Number one. Whatever it takes to better brand Trump, or at least his policies, as more inspirational slash positive, do it now. Need to, I need to, I would, because this was asked me if I was running his campaign, what would I do, right? Um, I would, I, I, the number one thing I would need to do is get his unfavorables down, number one. I can't run, I can't run a whole campaign on uh, Biden's too old and will glitch out. What if he doesn't? What if they hide him? You know, and then like if he glitches out in August, they could just, they'll just they'll just remove him. If he glitches out in September, let's remove him. Now, if he glitches out the last week of October, like a Comey thing, it's too late then, and that works in my favor. But I can't build an entire campaign around a circumstance I have no control over. 
That's a terrible way to build any form of a an endeavor. Here, let me build it around factors that may or may not occur that I have no 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 part in in determining if they will. Let me bank, bank the whole thing on variables. No one sets anything up like that. Okay, so so, so basically, you're asking, what the hell happened to MAGA? Are we going to MAGA or not? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I want to see, I want to, I want Trump doing more rallies and I want to take those clips. And if, even if, even if he's not able or capable to, 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 to be, to brand himself that way in real time, I'm going to rebrand them that way. Cause more people are going to watch the ads than ever watch those damn rallies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, and I mean, I'm going to have like a patriotic music, yeah. you know, like Requiem for a dream. Okay. Like America, the beautiful, you know, things were better off than when he was in charge. You know what I, I need to rebrand him for these suburban voters I just showed you are going to decide this thing. Since exit polling, detailed exit polling began in 1972, every party that's won the, uh, won the suburbs has won every single time. Every single time. I need to... It, the suburbs are so comfortable that I can't get them to vote for them, I don't believe, on the basis yet of how bad things are. It's not bad enough for them yet. So I need to vote them to vote for Trump affirmatively. Okay? Not because they have to, but because they want to. Because he is the clearly superior option. So I need to rebrand him more inspirationally. Thoughts? Well, this whole thing was ultimately about MAGA and making America great again. And and that was one chord that was obviously played from the get-go. It worked. Yes, it worked, as you've already said, with somebody with horrendous uh, negatives in the form of Hillary Clinton. But... Yeah, MAGA basically has now become just a pejorative these days, and it's not aspirational, and he absolutely has to turn that train Because around. it's been rebranded as making Trump better again, or great again, yes. not, not America great again. And that's what the Democrats want. They want it to be seen as a Trump movement, not as a patriotic one. Yeah. Number two, greatly upgrade our lawyers and make sure we have someone on board that Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts respects for the coming appeal on the D.C. January 6th case. Get that person on TV constantly ASAP to begin messaging that the credibility of SCOTUS is at stake if it doesn't hear our appeal, which would likely, even if it agrees to hear it, we just need to get them to agree to hear it because it would likely delay that lethal case until after the election if we can at least get them to hear it. Okay. And so I, I need to be, in other words, I need a Bill Barr kind of a figure. I can't use him again, though, because, I mean, he, he's wasted capital. But somebody like that, somebody that has some cachet, Aaron, with the system, somebody that knows John Roberts on a first name basis, knows how to speak at least some of that institutional vernacular and start putting the public pressure on them right now with that kind of a figure. Not not this lawyer chick he has who keeps losing him every case. A re, someone respectable, the system knows, that can say to them, hey, your credibility is on the line too. If you allow these hackneyed attempts to inter- interfere on the election, it'll not just be Trump that's, that's who's, who, who will be hurt. Your credibility will be dinged all the more. And oh, by the way, where's the, where's the Dobbs uh, leaker at that you guys promised us? But it, has, it can't be a radical can't be a Steve Dace. It can't be a Charlie Kirk. It can't be anybody like us. It's got to be somebody from inside the dome there that, that, that is willing to do that like Bill Barr was on Russian collusion. I got to find that person ASAP. Does that person exist? Exactly. I got to find out. I don't know. We have to find out, though. My wife and I had this conversation just this weekend about this thing. There's, there aren't people who are just John Adams-like, yeah. principled enough, going to defend the Redcoats are going to do it. Then it comes down to the people who are just only going to do it if they get paid. 
Oh, well, this, if there's one thing but, we can do, it's pay people off here. But the kind of people land. who's only going to do this is get paid probably has a track record that makes them look like somebody who's not going to make this. Go it, back it, to bullet point number one. It's not going to be aspirational. It's just going to be muddy. In and, 2016, he found Jeffrey Lord who ran, helped run the Reagan political White House and gave him conservative uh, street cred that he couldn't have gotten on his own. In, 20, in 2019, you got Bill Barr to end the Russian collusion thing. He's not he, the same person. We talked I, about this. He's Howard Hughes now. He's peeing into jars now. I'm trying here. Okay, I'm trying. I dig that. I'm trying. Okay. There has to be at least somebody. Somebody that John Roberts knows. Somebody that you can start putting on every cable news show right now and warning them, you have to hear our appeal. Otherwise, your credibility is at stake too. Number three, I need, battleground state po- I need a battleground state polling narrative ahead of the Democratic cheating. I'm not doing huge national ad buys like the Super Bowl, not doing anything like that. Final Four, nothing like that. I am focusing all my advertising and I'm starting it now. Now. I cannot let Democrats, while I'm in while I'm I'm in trials and everything else, run all these ads for, for the next three, four to four months while I'm rebuilding my war chest here. I cannot have them destroying me on the air. I need to start doing this now. Uh, I'm focusing on advertising in Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, etc. I'm not running a single damn ad in Alabama, South Carolina, none of those places. I don't care if I win those places by 24 or 11. It doesn't matter. I get the same, I get the same amount of electoral college votes either way. But I'm focusing my fire on the swing states now. I'm, and I'm not doing the typical, we do the swing state strategy at the end. I'm doing it now and all the way through so that I'm not getting completely destroyed 10 to 1 by Democrat ads in those states in the spring and summer months. Can you... This surprises me a little bit. Can you buy Super Bowl ads regionally? Yes. There's a, yes, there's like certain local avails that but are to in that there. End, yeah, like if yeah. you, uh, that's Those what, are still a huge rate. Yes. If, yeah. if, but if you have to start now, and this goes back to bullet point number one, if you have to make it mega itself great again, don't you use the Super Bowl right now, at least regionally? No, I'm, not, I'm not spending a half of I, 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 I wouldn't. I don't know what those rates are, but even in the battleground states, a Milwaukee rate would be astronomical. A uh, Detroit rate would be astronomical as well. Not that they don't have the... Yeah, well, where is the money coming from, by the way? That's another question well, I've had. Number four. I am choosing a running mate early and unleashing that person with two primary goals. First, this spring and summer, it needs to be someone who can ignite our base and perhaps be a stand-in for Trump while he is on trial in DC. I would be working on that contingency now so that I don't have my candidate isn't off the board, but my ticket is still on the campaign trail. We all know that if there's many more weeks like the one that just happened, the only answer would be Ron DeSantis. Second, this would be a person I would dispatch in the fall as my emissary to the suburbs. I would park this person in. The, so this spring and summer, I need to I need this person to help ener, re-energize Republican turnout. It is down. It's bad. And it's been bad for well over a year. I need to change that. And it's not just, well, people aren't showing up because they, they looked at the polls and Trump can't be beaten. They didn't show up in the midterm or they didn't show up in the, the special elections or off years last year either. We have a turnout problem. I need to reignite that. 
I don't think it's a strength of Trump to reach out to people that way. So I would just go get somebody that might be able to speak to those folks and have them do it. And then I need this person to be capable of essentially being the, the standard bearer while if I'm off the board during a, a, a six week trial in Washington, D.C. for my life, basically. And then if I get past both of those things, I need that person post Labor Day to just live in the suburbs of Phoenix, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Milwaukee, Atlanta, um, you know, et cetera. Thoughts. I'm, I'm just going to say there, there is no obvious, even close to obvious answer. Who's best suited to do that based on what we just saw this week and how De- Ron DeSantis has spent his time uh, as governor and still as a national leader. And now people are making it abundantly clear. That's our guy. Donald Trump has spent the last week just r- ripping on us. We're not doing this. There's nobody who can put Humpty Humpty together again right now, like uh, like Ron DeSantis could, vis-a-vis what you're talking about. Who who jumps to mind that even could do it 50% as well? Who's the person? I'll entertain it because I know I, I and I'll entertain it because I know it's not within Donald Trump. After everything he did to Ron DeSantis, to then say, "Come on, help me do this." Let me let me give you a name, someone whose opinion I really respect and has and gave me a couple of things like Nikki Haley, that story, and some other things mm-hmm. that turned out to be true a year in advance. This person is just is listening to this and just texted this to me in real time. He said, "I don't like him, but you guys are looking at Tim Scott wrong. It's not about sending Tim Scott to the barber shop. It's about sending Tim Scott to the whiteies in the suburbs to make them feel better." That I could see, actually. I could, Tim Scott is the kind of figure that our soft, and I hate saying it because not my cup of tea Republican by, by any stretch, but he is the kind of figure that would show the soft-headed suburbanites the softer side of Sears. And I don't have to, I don't have to feel, I, I, could go to, I can go to church and I can go to my tennis club. And yeah, I voted for Trump. And I, 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 I didn't vote for a racist. We have a black vice president. These people are that shallow. I could see oh, this yes, actually being effective. But that's not going to take uh, our people off the bench. I They're- agree. I agree it doesn't help with the GOP base turnout problem. I agree it does not. I, I agree it doesn't. But I do think it would it could help on the suburb side. I do think that would help on that side. But I still think there is a GOP base turnout problem. I agree with that. Now, how much of that GOP base turnout problem exists like if it gets down to the end here and people feel like I still got to vote to win. You know what I'm saying? It is unquestionably a problem right now, you know, but Aaron, you have any thoughts on that with Tim Scott really quick? Uh, the level, never underestimate the level of soft headedness of the average American suburbanites. So yeah, I mean, I could see that happening. I also wonder if we're RFK junior comes in here as well. Um, it's being reported that, that uh, RFK Jr. himself has said that Trump reached out to him, or at least the Trump team reached out to him, to see about running as vice president. And uh, Trump has denied that, or his crew has de- denied that. I wonder what RFK Jr.'s strategy here is. Because another X factor, I-, I don't know how big of a block they will be in this upcoming election, but the university vote, I don't know. But if I were RFK Jr., why, why wouldn't you live on the campuses of UW-Madison 
Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. University of Michigan, mm-hmm. Penn State. Why wouldn't you live on those campuses? You see where I, what I'm getting at here? I don't know if there's any way that tr- the Trump camp, because here's what I'm trying to articulate. You're trying to peel support away from Biden, because most of those individuals, young folks, are not going to ever vote for you anyway. So you're trying to peel support away from Biden. One or two points, something like that. I wonder if they're considering that at all. Guys, the more I think about it, I'm warming up to the idea of Scott. Not saying it would be my cup of tea, but he, he helps you with the Nikki Haley wing of the party who hates you. All right. And um, he, 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 he's got the beard. All right. So we can check that. You, you know. are thinking like a Detroit Lion again. You have totally lowered your standards. I see what's happening here. So has this entire era. Romans 828. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.